Previously on Kings of the Ring, after the Buddy Melrose babyface experiment had mixed results, Charlie Gotch made his deal with the devil and Goliath. Jonathan Kane spoke to Jesse James about the future of Empire State after he was gone. And after refusing to bend the knee to Julian Kane, Jesse James took over as Booker of the CWA and was reunited with his old pals, the Southern Rebels. Willie Dean won the ASW Southern title, Burt Ironside sent Peyton Thomas on a mission to bring him a replacement for Michael Angel. Chris Stanley grumbled that his uncle keeps him away from where the action is, and Tama, the Samoan Beast, finished up in All South Wrestling on his way up to Calgary. Julian Kane rapidly expanded Empire's footprint across the continent, and he and his new council planned Thor's departure to give him time to shoot Rambo with Sylvester Stallone and to set up a huge match with Donnie Gold on MTV. Today's episode would be rated M.A. for profanity, descriptions of nudity, and some racist dialogue. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Kings of the Ring. The Empire State Building, at well over a thousand feet and a hundred stories, up until a decade ago was the tallest building in New York City. But its iconic status remains indisputable. A symbol for New York and America as a conquering spirit for over 50 years, most famous for being the perch for the unstoppable monster King Kong. But on this night, it is the perch for another unstoppable monster, Julian Kane, who stands within the construction zone of the new offices of the Empire Wrestling Federation. To Julian, more than just a headquarters, a symbol for success and triumph. But on this day, could be the symbol for Julian Kane's demise. He throws a folder of papers at an enlarged black and white photograph on the wall. It's his father, Jonathan Kane, standing before a capacity crowd at Madison Square Garden in 1967, smiling humbly. But to Julian, he's taunting him. Julian is disheveled, his chest heaving, his face blown up, his eyes red and watery. So you did it, Jonathan. You won. He's on his knees as the papers float through the air like snow, as the nighttime reflection of the city shines into what will be, or would be, his office. And now, I'm gonna lose Empire. Why didn't I see this? Fuck. Fuck you. As the papers cascade through the room, you see the folder they were in. Lying on the floor beneath a large portrait of Jonathan Kane, a red folder labeled with one word, Provisions. Kings of the Ring, Episode 14, The Greek and the Roman. Earlier that week, Julian Kane, Louis the Greek, and Sal Spinelli gather around a champagne bottle as Louis fills their glasses. An older ex-wrestler, Frankie Lovejoy, limps over, aided by a cane, and takes his glass. Congratulations, Julian. The Calgary Territory is now yours, and it's about time. They stand on the floor of the Saddle Dome in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. The chairs are set up around the ring, hours before doors will open to the fans. Wrestlers, meandering about the arena floor, were in the ring chatting. 
Julian holds up his glass. Thank you, Frankie. With the infrastructure you established here over the years, by buying your territory today, instantly makes Empire the biggest single wrestling promotion in Canadian history. And don't forget, Frankie, as the first president of EWF Canada and promoter of all our shows in Western Canada, you will receive a hefty promoter's fee, so everyone makes out. Salut! How is the house, Frankie? I'd project close to 15,000 tonight. Maron, I told you that billboard you bought was a great idea. It's your boy Thor. After the past few months of TV, a lot of talk amongst the marks about this Thor Hansen guy. He's putting asses in seats, that's for sure, Julian. And that's not all. The full court press work, boss. We're paying seven grand a week, but we are on the American channel. I still think where's the money? Come on, Louie. We're about to have three shows on cable. The only wrestling on cable. And our angle with Thor and Donnie Gold from tonight will be on that first AC show. So first show will be next Monday. That is the old slot, so yes. But I'm going to insist, AC, we move it to Tuesdays. Why? I don't know what Gilmore was thinking. Only a moron would put a weekly TV wrestling show on a Monday night. You're going to get creamed by Monday Night Football for four months straight and suffer record low ratings on every single holiday of the year, which always falls on a Monday. Not to mention college bowl games, college basketball championships, that damn dog show. I'm no idiot. I'm Julian fucking Kane. And remember, Julian, Calgary is yours now, so that means all the guys belong to you. There's uh, Travis over there, uh, American. He's a good hand. That's MC Jackson, though the boys nicknamed him Mid-Carter Jackson, so maybe you don't want him. And of course, there's my son, Brian. They look in the ring and see a curly, brown-haired young man in only his jeans, grappling with another, taller wrestler, rolling around the mat against the ropes. He's not as big as some of the other guys but a very solid worker with great fire, as you'll see tonight. Didn't he have a run in AMW? Yes, and I'll never forgive Charlie Gotch for that. Charlie had heat with me from 30 years ago over bullshit, and he took it out of my son, buried Brian, stiffed him on payoffs, saying he was keeping what I owed him. It's not the way to do business. That's why I'm selling my town to you, not that son of a bitch. After the deal we made today, Brian Lovejoy will always have a job. You have my word. Now if you'll excuse me, guys. Frankie Lovejoy walks away to talk with some of the wrestlers, while Julian and Louie assess the talent. What do you think about Brian Lovejoy? Are old guys getting bigger muscles? The new boys you hire from Toronto, like that powerlifter Dave, all bigger too. We could use smaller workers like Brian to carry them and give balance to our roster. Brian, Lovejoy, not much of a marquee name, is it? And let's be honest, Louis, I need guys that are bigger than life. Someone you see walking at an airport that turns heads. Someone you immediately can tell when they enter a room is a wrestler. That is the most important thing. Who cares if they can work? I'm looking for visual impact. Look at how much size Killian Kavanaugh has put on since we brought in Dr. Bilson. He gets it. To be honest, there's only a couple guys here in Calgary that even fit the bill. We keep them, everyone else is on the street. What about Brian Lovejoy? You promise? I told Frankie his son would always have a spot in the Empire, and he will. But that doesn't mean I'd put that pasty mug on my posters. 
The world needs job guys, too. Julian walks away while Louis shakes his head. Julian walks past Michael Angel off to the side, working on his match with Empire veteran Pat Stevens, still in his pristine classic suit and yellow ascot. Hey, brother! Who's that guy? Now that's a look. The six-foot-four-inch, 300-pound Tama the Samoan Beast enters the arena in his street clothes, carrying his aluminum Halliburton suitcase with his large afro puffed out, greeting some of the other wrestlers. Louis catches up to Julian. He starts tonight. He just came up from all south. Julian and Louis approach him. Greetings and salutations. I'm Julian Kane. How you doing, Bara? I'm Tama Fulutusi Faisea Anipati Tuneo Mailo Champs. Uh, just call me Tama. Louis, I think I have an idea how to add some spice to this Thor Donny Gold deal. Legendary interviewer Freddie Fengler is at ringside in the Mecca Auditorium in Milwaukee for AMW American Midwest Wrestling, interviewing the one and only Hollywood Buddy Melrose. I beat Mr. Shimasaki last week in St. Paul, and I'm still the AMW American Heavyweight Champion, so good riddance. But I have to admit something, Freddie Fengler. I couldn't help but notice some fans in the arena were not cheering me. What are you talking about? All the fans were cheering for you. For America. Not as loud as they could have been. I am doing these fans a favor by rating AMW of foreigners. And I believe they should show considerably more gratitude and appreciation. I'm not even sure you ignoramuses deserve a hero like me. After all, many of you are undereducated, with high cholesterol, no table manners, and incorrect usage of punctuation and grammar. The seven-foot giant, Goliath, walks out onto the set and stands right behind Hollywood Buddy Melrose, and his giant glistening bald head staring down at Buddy while Freddie Fengler is beside himself. Buddy stops and turns around slowly and his face to chest with the seven-foot giant. Then, like a cartoon, he slowly looks up to see Goliath's angry face. Buddy falls back like he's been shot, flopping and flailing around like he saw a ghost, tripping over his own feet as he runs away. Freddy Fengler looks up at the giant with the biggest childlike smile of admiration, wonder, and awe and holds the microphone up to his giant face. Hello, Milwaukee! Hollywood Buddy Melrose, if you've got a problem with the people, then you've got a problem with me! Because Goliath is here in AMW, and I love the people! The Junction is a regular home for boxing in San Antonio, Texas, but on this night, this small venue is filled with wrestling fans for a TV taping of All South Wrestling. Welcome back, fans. I'm here with Gabriel Angel and Silver making their debut for All South Wrestling. We haven't seen here in All South. The brother of Gabriel Angel, Rafael Angel. Gabriel stands with his floppy blonde hair and cut physique 
Underneath his trademark white velvet angel robe, beside him is a new wrestler who looks like a male model, slim, muscular, and very tan, wearing sunglasses along with blue shorts, blue knee pads, and white boots. I understand you've been gone for years, serving your country in the Marines. Now you're reunited with your brother Gabriel? Yeah, that's right, baby. Feast your eyes on the best in the business. I am Ralph Angel, and ain't nobody better, baby. Yeah, I'm so happy to have my brother Raphael here. The Angel Brothers are back in ASW. We're going to clean up all the trash out of All South Wrestling, starting with these people. Raphael takes the mic and pulls it back towards him. That's right, people. As I was saying, this is the best thing going today. And I got my sights set on that fake pretty boy, Willie Dean, because no one is as pretty as me. He pulls his sunglasses down the tip of his nose and winks into the camera. Right, girls. But for tonight... Me and my brother, Raphael, are going to take on the Bruiser Brothers and show everybody that the Angel Brothers are still taking us out to the top, Daddy. Here you have it. Angel Brothers is back. Pretty Boy Willie Dean is the Southern Heavyweight Champion for All South Wrestling. We know this because Willie is standing in front of a full-length mirror completely naked, except for the title belt around his waist. Oh, not again, Willie Dean. Stop wearing the belt like that. Cock and balls rubbing all over it. We don't need you spreading your diseases to the other boys. Ain't gonna have that belt for long. Oh, hush now with that negativity, Peyton. Why don't you make yourself useful? Find a camera and take a picture of the scene of beauty unfolding before your very eyes. Even though I'm heel, we should sell glossies of this shot, right? He looks into the mirror and blows himself a kiss while looking at his long schlong hanging from under the face of the title belt. You don't want to take the strap off of me. As the locker room leader, the boys need me as their champion. Willie Dean, do me a favor and find me even one of these boys who'd consider you their leader, and you'll keep that title for life. Chris Stanley walks up and notices Willie posing naked with the belt kissing it. Whoa, okay. Uh, you needed something, Peyton? Yeah, uh, Burton needs you to pick someone up from the airport. Okay, who is it? Fucked if I know. He's one of Bert's friends, so you can just look for someone old and crusty like him. And take Bert's truck. He don't want you taking your Honda. It's very dependable. He says it makes us look like a bunch of pussies, so take his truck. As Chris turns away, his first cousin, Gabriel Angel, returns to the locker room looking pissed, so he moves out of the way. What the fuck, Peyton? That was the shits. This guy's supposed to be my fucking brother? Was this dad's idea? Doesn't matter whose idea it was. Got a gimmick, and we need to make it work. Does he even know who we are? He's out there with his fucking sunglasses, talking like a heel, and he can't even say his own fucking name. We're supposed to be a tag team. He's going into business for himself, trying to book a title match with Willie and his first fucking men on the stick. Listen, he's been working the past few years up in Toronto as Kenny West, a heel. It's not easy to shake that shit. Just give him a chance. He's still green. Teach him the business got a good look, you could be a draw for us. Gabriel takes a moment to calm down and breathes, and then looks back at Peyton. All right, I'll help him out. Just then, the new Raphael Angel enters the locker room, breathing heavy, and marches straight to Gabriel and sticks his finger right in his face. Hey, don't you ever 
fucking make me look bad again. I'm saving this whole goddamn territory, and you need to quit stealing my heat and know your spot, Angel Boy. Get your goddamn hand out of my face. Why don't you make me? Raphael shoves him, and Gabriel falls back and charges back at Raphael. But some of the other wrestlers quickly intervene and separate them, while Peyton Thomas puts his hand over his face. Oh, brother. Jesse James and the Southern Rebels are driving south down the coast to Charleston, South Carolina at around 3 a.m., the site of their show the next night. Jesse and Denny are up front while Cooter and Dickie are in the back. Cooter is passed out, snoring, joint still in his mouth. Jesus Christ, Cooter, give me that damn thing. Dickie Wayne pulls a joint out of his mouth and puts it in his, while Denny asks, Ain't you boys smoked enough tonight? Give me a break, Denny. It's the only thing that can ease this kind of pain. My body's broken from lifetime of bumps. <laughs> you boys ready for another beer? Fill me up, Dickie. Can't believe we went through three cases. I can. Only thing missing is that rap back in Wilmington. I'd sit back and a rat is all I need, motherfucker. Well, I'm not gonna let you take down a girl young enough to be your granddaughter, Dickie Wayne. And one day, I might forgive you for that. <laughs> Dickie hands up two cans. Then he passes one to Jesse, who puts a new one in his lap, slams the rest of his old beer, and tosses the can out the window. I must say, Jesse, your driving skills have improved. Shit, Crusher's still the king. Only guy I've seen can have a hamburger in one hand, a cigarette in the other, and balance an open beer in his lap, all while driving 85 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so Jesse, any word on the houses from the Empire shows? The crowds were decent, Richmond, Charlotte, and the others, but no sellouts, not even close. Denny turns the music down, but way more than a new company has any right to be drawn in the Carolinas. Even if it's under the Empire banner, they still had Donnie Gold and Michael Angel, who's still the biggest pussy magnet in the business. That's true. That ain't what got me so flummoxed. Well, what is it, pray tell? These are Julian's first shows in the South. Diamond Donnie Gold, Michael Angel, Leroy Brown, and the new champ, Thor Hansen, who's making all kind of waves in the business with the WVBS slot plus syndication. One way or another, everyone can watch Empire. He has all the pieces to build roots here in the South and take over. So far, it's working. So what is it that has you so perplexed? At every one of these shows, Donnie put Thor over. And I don't mean by a DQ or a 40 minute back and forth. He squashed Donnie every night in under 10 minutes. I heard most nights the fans didn't even pop. It was more like a shock or silence. And it wasn't just him. It was Killian, Leroy, even Michael. All of them doing jobs all over the South. Now why would Summer, who's trying to expand to all 50 states and go through all the trouble of signing all the top guys from the Alliance and paying them top dollar, proceed to bury those same talents? He's killing these towns. It makes no sense. Jesse James, I've not yet had the pleasure of making Mr. Julian Kane's acquaintance. 
but from everything I know of this man, he is not a lost ball in the high weeds. His moves are deliberate, and I do believe you have answered your own question as to why a man would do such a thing, with the very same words within your question. Julian Cain did not come to the South to plant seeds, grow, and harvest. Julian Cain came down here to burn those fields to the ground. He took our top soldier, our Sir Lancelot, if you will, and hung him in our town square for all the people to see. These are not the actions of a shrewd businessman, Mr. James. These are the deeds of a destroyer on a mission, and his mission is to destroy the South and everything and everyone who represents the South. Jesse nods his head as he absorbs Danny's words. And if Julian Kane is going to make an example out of Danny Gold, the man who stood on equal, if not greater, footing with the outlaw Jesse James for years throughout the South, then you must ensure the next time you stand in the ring that you stand taller than ever before. Even if I am the one who pays the price. have begun. Calgary saddled on his rocket. The cameras are ready, and in the dressing room, Thor Hansen and Diamond Donnie Gold meet up to go over their match. So you going off to do your movie with Stallone after tonight? Yeah, dude. I'm pretty nervous about that. But I'll just be up till the end of summer. Tonight we shoot that angle where you break my leg, which sets up for the big show at the Garden on MTV, bro. Oh, yeah. Give me five, brother. Donnie holds his hand out, palm facing up. Thor slaps his hand. <laughs> then Thor turns his hand, palm up, and Donnie slaps his hand back. Dude, you ever think about how we started at Charlie's? Freezing our asses off in that damn barn? And now we're gonna be on MTV. Julian says this will be the most people to watch a wrestling match on TV in over 20 years, dude. Julian Kane, the referee for the match, and Louis the Greek walk over. But they're also followed by Killian Kavanaugh, his manager, longtime Empire veteran, handsome Jack Trades, in full gimmick, a bright multicolored jacket with a jack of hearts on the back, along with a purposely bad toupee, and Tama the Samoan Beast. Killian lightly jabs Donnie on the shoulder. Surprised to see you still standing there after last night with them girls. I could barely handle two of them. You took on all three. Donnie, a little distracted and confused at the presence of the others, doesn't reply. All right, Julian, Louie, uh, what are we doing tonight? This is big. Thor Hansen has been on a roll all year long. Ever since he debuted in Empire and beat that slimy Arab Abdullah, he's been the most dominant world champion in history. Donnie, I know we discussed you injuring Thor's knee with figure four, but, uh, we have some changes. Thor isn't some ordinary Joe. He's the American fucking Viking. It's going to take more than one normal guy like Donnie to take him out. Donnie tries to quell Julian. Julian, I know how to do this. I'm going to have those fans thinking they'll have to amputate his leg by the time I'm done. I doubt that, but this is what we're going to do. It's Thor versus Killian Kavanaugh tonight. As we work towards the finish, Jack is going to hop up on the apron. Thor, you bump him. He looks at the manager, handsome Jack trades. After you sell that, powder out. Then come back with Donnie Gold and Tama the Wild Beast. Brother, it's Samoan Beast. I don't think the people know what the fuck Samoan means. You're a wild beast now. It's easy for kids to understand. 
that's what this is all about. Not expanding people's knowledge of geography when Thor, once you see them come out, we go to finish. Tony, you and Tama get in the ring and start beating shit out of Thor for disqualification. Louis looks at the ref, who nods. Killian, when you recover, you join in. Fuck up Thor. Donnie is starting to not like this. What is it, Donnie? Eh, it's just weird as all. I've always been a heel on my own. I never attacked someone like a gang before. Hey, dizzy heel shite, Donnie. Who knows? You might learn to like being part of a heel gang. Julian watches Donnie closely. You work Thor towards the corner and lay him there, uh, facing out towards the fans. Jack trades and Killian stand on apron and hold his arms down. Then Tama, you run from one corner to the other and crush Thor with big splash. Now, hearing this play out, psychology doesn't make sense. Thor can't be held down by Jack trades. He's a manager. Thor will be selling the beating from before. Doesn't matter. It should be Killian and Donnie holding him in the corner. Killian shrugs his shoulders like he doesn't care either way. And one splash isn't enough. Then do it two more times. Three. Three more times, Tama. Then you all powder out. Thor is on the shelf until MTV, and match set up between Donnie Gold and Thor Hansen. Done. <laughs> wait a minute. How does this set up me and Thor? Tama is the one that's taking him out. Because you are, uh, you are the one directing him to do it. See, they all work for you. How do the people know this? I've never appeared with any of these guys before in TV. If I'm holding him with Killian, it'll look like Jack Trades is the one leading this. I realize where you came from, working the backwoods of Mississippi and the swamps of Florida. You're used to being the big fish in the little pond. But this is the Empire, the major leagues. Louis looks down. We are trying to make stars here. You're getting your precious spot with Thor and MTV, so you need to do the right thing and get people over other than yourself for once. No, it's not what I meant. Tama will get over instantly with his angle, and I don't like you letting your ego keeping others down. It's not fair to Tama or any of the boys in this locker room. Julian, Tama, I'm not trying to do that at all. I'm just following the psychology of this angle. It doesn't really set up anything between me and Thor. You're already getting paid more than everyone else. Isn't that enough, Donnie Gold? No, Julian, why would you say that out loud? Listen, everyone, I'm sorry. Let's just do it like how you said from the beginning. All the others look down at the floor and around the room awkwardly, while Killian makes an expression that he didn't like something that was said. It will work out, Donnie, I promise. We explain on commentary and with promos later. You will have the time on the mic to bring it all home. It will be clear for the fans. With Thor Hansen laying in a heap in the ring, surrounded by medical personnel, Donnie Gold, Handsome Jack Trades, Killian Kavanaugh, and Tama the Wild Beast make their way towards the locker room and walk past Julian Kane and Louie, watch the entire angle executed perfectly as planned. What do you know, Louie? Looks like Donnie was right after all. That didn't set up him and Thor at all. It's obvious what we have to do now. We're switching the MTV show to Thor Hansen versus Tama the Wild Beast. Chris Stanley pulls up in Burt's 79 Ford F-250 pickup that Chris hated to drive. It was too high up and took all of his strength to shift. The clutch stuck, as Bert would often remind his nephew that this is a truck for men 
not pansies like him. He parked it in front of the main entrance of the airport, where everyone left their cars unattended, and walked into the Pan Am arrivals. Chris nervously wondered which asshole friend of his uncle's is coming here, so Bert can ridicule him in front of yet another buddy of his. Before moving here, Chris worried that Bert would fit the racist, crude, bigoted, tough guy stereotype that he imagined every Texan would be like. Yet oddly enough, he found everyone else in Texas was fine. It was actually just Uncle Bert. Chris nervously waits, looking around, anxiously hoping he'll even be able to spot this mystery person amidst all these other passengers milling about. You don't look like you're from Texas. Chris turns around, and his jaw is on the ground. Holy shit, you're Dan Sanders, the longest reigning Empire State Heavyweight Champion since Dominic Dante. Chris stares. That's right, kid. You taking me to the venue or what? Chris picks up his suitcase, and they start walking. I I'm sorry, but you're my favorite wrestler, like, ever. I just saw you at the Spectrum my last weekend in Philly before I moved down here. I was in the front row. Did you recognize me? Uh, sorry, kid. Bert told me to look for a squiggly-looking Jew. Not sure what being Jewish would even look like, but you're definitely squiggly-looking. So, you're going to be with All South from now on? I'm done with New York, kid. So I'm starting to take dates. Everywhere else. Julian Kane is back in New York City, admiring the new home of Empire, the Empire State Building, looking down from his top office floor towards Madison Square Garden, the site of their upcoming debut on MTV. Julian breathes a self-congratulatory sigh of relief as he thinks about all of his plans coming together. Wow, what a view. Julian is startled, slowly turns, and sees a young man in a business suit holding a briefcase. Not sure you could ever get used to that. Who are you? How did you get in here? Oh, I, I'm sorry, sir. I'm Jerry. Jerry Guzman. The anxious young man reaches out to shake Julian's hand. Julian ignores it. I, I'm, I'm from the accounting department under Abraham Forrester. Hmm? Oh, right. We just call him Abe. Honest Abe is what my father used to call him. Well, I thought I'd catch you in person, since they had said you had had your office moved here before everyone else. What do you want, Guzman? Julian, annoyed, wants to get back to praising himself. I, I understand. This is your business to run. But from looking over the books, I'm seeing a wealth of inefficiencies. And with a few simple moves, I think Empire can eventually show a profit. What are you talking about? We've been over a 15% margin all year. Um, according to my data... You're not even close. I read the statements every month. Abe delivers them personally. I, I don't know what to say, Mr. Kane. How could you ignore multiple overdue notices with heavy interest and penalties, upfront payments across the board, and all of these discrepancies, and expect a 15% profit? Unless you have something incredible coming between now and Christmas, you are going to end 1984 in serious debt. Julian looks at him. Give me your report. He snatches it out of Jerry's hands and lays it down on a table. I can assure you, my figures are accurate. Julian pours over it. I, I've never seen this before. This is different. This is wrong. Who sent you here? I, I came on my own. I had some ideas to ease that debt. For instance, this new agreement to the America Channel to fork out $7,000 a week is a lot, but paying six months up front 
makes no sense. I would advise changing that among other things. And the five to 10% margin is probably too ambitious for this year, but by 1986, I can definitely see you making a profit. I can't wait until then. Julian shoves Jerry aside and dives into his file cabinet. What are you looking for? I currently own the most shares of Empire and am in control of this company. However, 60% of Empire shares are currently held in escrow as father's way of keeping my big ideas reined in. To teach me fiscal responsibility, those shares aren't mine until the end of 1984, but only if I show a 10% profit after 12 months. He finds it, a red folder marked provisions, and slaps it down and looks inside. I never sweat about these provisions for a second because I didn't have to. My own projections had me in the clear, Nothing I did all year should have changed that. And the monthly statements from Abe confirmed it, which means Abe either became the worst accountant in history overnight, or honest Abe has been feeding me bullshit. Julian traces his finger on the provisions of his father's will as he gets closer. And what exactly happens to the controlling shares if you don't show a 10% profit margin? Julian's finger stops as he finds it. Those shares will revert to the beneficiaries. The part of the will he barely remembered from the day of the reading, as he was so focused on his plans and whichever wrestler, TV station manager, or promoter he was meeting with on that day. Mr. Kane, who would assume ownership of the Empire Wrestling Federation? Julian is overcome by a sinking feeling and holds back the urge to vomit. The Greek and the Roman. Sir? Louis Janopoulos and Salvatore Spinelli. <laughs> Louis and Sal. Whoa, baby. 